0: Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial for all mankind podcast on Apple TV Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and we're back for the season three. Let's say the first season three feedback episode uh, it covers everything from episode one through episode three because that's where you guys currently are. We have a de- we have a decent amount of feedback.
1: We had a lot more, but what it was when I started cutting everything together a lot of stuff that people speculated, you know, like I, I had, if I'd send in my message after seeing episode one, I think Danny broke his fucking back with one of those lethal space cables. Um, I would be looking an egg on my face in the next episode. And he's just walking around, not even injured. He took yeah. that cable like a champ. So, like, a lot of stuff like that happened where people are speculating that uh, we're building on speculation, like Danny's going to be a paraplegic or he's going to do this. Or he's going to do that. So, obviously, those got cut. But we still have a fair amount of feedback. And we're going to try to get it's kind of like a fluke why it's been so long since we got the feedback on For All Mankind, because it was like a combination of uh being gone on vacation and recording things in advance because of that it just kind of bad timing all around but anyway we're here uh if you'd like to send us feedback to get on future shows fam at dot fam at dot is where you send the d-mails i think is what they're calling them in the show d-mail mm-hmm. uh digital mail uh sean bon jovi says I was over the moon, haha, when you guys jumped on a full <laughs> it says fam, the full Alchemist Metal, the for all mankind bandwagon last year. I can't wait to see what this season has in store for us. Just wanted to chime in with a couple of observations. Okay. It's interesting to see how they're going to continue to adapt to the aging makeup. I think Danielle looks great. Ed's is decent, but they don't look like they did a thing to Danny. To age him up 10 years. It'd be interesting to see if they have this kid or Jimmy or Kelly's actors back in future seasons, as well as how they keep aging them. It's true that Danny, amongst being uh, a psycho, a real dyed in the wool psycho, uh, has a baby face. The and he looks. Psycho. But that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like uh, that guy could age 10 years and you wouldn't know, you know, it's it's like I don't think they yeah, did much it, in the way of aging Ed up in the first two seasons, right? Like sometimes you can just kind of sure. get away with
0: it. I feel like you can get away with it easier in like uh, fr- from your 20s to like your 30s. But when you're trying to age up like a 17 year old to be 27, there's like a body change that happens during that time that's hard to replicate i imagine right you just like you fill in mm-hmm. a lot yeah 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 so, yeah so it's like yeah that, that'd be a really hard makeup job to do um especially when the guy you're, you're you've casted is already that age and you're playing him younger and then like uh-huh. he's just supposed to look the age he is now yeah that's it's strange i wonder
1: but, how, how old the, the actual actor is casey johnson um I wonder how old he is in real life. I don't know. I could probably look that up, but I I'm not going to do it in right now. he's his
0: mid to late 20s. Uh, could be. Here's the other person that I think they're doing a really good job with is Aleda. She, she has like, they're just doing it with like hair type stuff and clothing. Right. And they've done mm. a really good job aging her up from believably into like her late 20s, early 30s, maybe.
1: I did see something because I, I read Alan Sepinwall's review, and he's seen the whole season. I haven't seen, you know, the whole season. He does. He he. he in in his review, is something he mentioned that like uh, the make the the aging makeup uh, is a little spotty or inconsistent over the season. Hmm. Um, but I imagine it's it's hard. It's hard to make people that are in their 30s look like they're believably in their 50s yeah you know and people in their 20s look yeah it's 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 going to be interesting especially as we continue to go on like are you ready to see joel Kinnaman as a 70 year old i am
0: i am he's uh, gonna look like clint eastwood right that's just who he's gonna age into hmm.
1: yeah pretty pretty uh, beef jerky pretty he's just get
0: more and more chicken skin and <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I don't know. I think they, I guess anyone that's problematic to make up, they just They just, uh, they do a makeup test every year <laughs> and whoever doesn't look good in the next era. That's who, that's who's going to bite it on the Mars mission. Yeah. Chantel van patine or satine, whatever. It's like, ah, oh, you're going to have a terrible microwaving accident in uh, Houston. It's going to go real bad, real bad for mm-hmm. you. Uh, Sean Sean Bon Jovi uh, continues loving the alternate timeline montage I'm really looking forward to seeing more butterfly effects I hope we learn about Chernobyl in this world given their shift to nuclear energy fusion fission notwithstanding I wonder if things played out differently and why hoping for a great season looking forward to the coverage I remember if last year was in because like Chernobyl happened I think in 86 Uh, so well past that now this either because of the increase in technology and maybe increased cooperation from East and West never happened mm-hmm. or it happened immediately after last season and it's just you know like shit we didn't talk about Chernobyl every fucking day in, in 1995 back back in the day so it could have just been one of those
0: epoch events that got missed I don't know and it's, it's hard to do just like it's hard to prove a negative right or sometimes impossible it's hard to tell you about an event that didn't happen not happening uh, mm-hmm. uh, like what do they say Ch- Chernobyl right. still humming along just right, perfectly yeah, yeah, yeah. no problems uh-huh. whatsoever on the news why Model would City, Chernobyl
1: still going strong in right. Ukraine yeah <laughs> yeah. Gregory's up next as I only just finished watching the preview pod or listening to the preview pod for, for forgive me if you've already been informed but here's an interview with Ron Moore that was released close to the end of last season where he says they have a potential seven year plan for the show uh, nice so this was from inverse.com. Uh this guy sat down and talked to Ronald Moore, and I got a, this this is a direct quote. Uh the guy asked him if there is a plan beyond season two and for plans for season three, and he goes, There is such a plan. There's originally a seven-year arc of structure that we pitched originally each season would go roughly 10 years into the future. So you catch up to the modern day and go a little bit into the future. That would have been like season six would be roughly 2020 to 2020s. And then you'd have one more season kind of beyond that said, of course, these things are changeable and organic. We approach each season fresh, even though we have a big framework of what next season is supposed to be. While we always start at the beginning and say, okay, this is what we talked about two years ago. Let's make sure this still holds up. Is this still where we want to go? So you could come to a point where you decide to end the show at a certain point, or you can decide that the show is going gangbusters and you want to go past the end point. Everything's still on the table. Uh, But the plan was always to go into the future and catch up and see where the world we live in today would look like. How would it be different in this timeline? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a fascinating roadmap. In this interview, they were also talking about the fact that uh, more i'm not sure if he got out of a sony deal but he has been signed to a massive disney deal and there was hints of the fact that this would kind of divide his attention and he at, at the time of this interview is saying he's fully involved to season three i wonder if that will continue to be the case and i wonder if more does get shifted more to the disney side if if the
0: storytelling will suffer <laughs> or the storytelling on the disney side will improve uh, maybe <laughs> maybe it's yeah a double-edged sword um yeah, no, I really liked the way Ron Moore tells a story. Um, yeah, I liked his storytelling through Battlestar Galactica and, and Star Trek and all those things. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've seen writers' rooms lose their creative inspiration. I mean, I, I or their creative godfather. Let's say, like Vince Gilligan, yeah. kind of left Better Call Saul, and that show's chugging right along as what it was when he was there so but he's second in command took you know uh peter what's his name yeah peter gould so
1: i Gould. yeah
0: the Gould. uh so i'm hoping that there's someone in the writer's room there who takes that mantle from ron moore and can keep you know the feel the tone and feel of, of for all mankind because i'm really loving it
1: yeah i agree um I don't like. I said I've I've seen shows that lose their showrunner early and it falls apart. I'm sure. thinking like American Gods especially is the one that jumps out at me. Yeah. Uh, I think Daredevil suffered from that a little bit too. I think that's the same guy. I think I think yeah, <laughs> American Gods and he only and likes Daredevil. And things. Yeah, he only does. It's like ah, I got yeah. the first season out. you guys got it. You know, just uh, keep uh, painting in the lines. Um, but I don't know because uh, like the other thing is like we do. Put a premium on showrunners, but the reality is any show, especially one that's already established, is going to be a lot about the writer's room and yeah. that kind of pool of talent, uh, putting their stuff together. It's nice to have a unified person on top, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I would love to see seven seasons of this. That's the other thing is like, will Apple... I'm not sure... Because Apple's so new. Apple Plus. I, I, I don't know whether they would be like the Netflix type that just like cut and run at the first sign of ratings drop. Um, or they're going to be more like the HBO where it's like, well, this has maybe a small and dwindling, but still passionate audience. And we owe them a conclusion to something because, Oh my God, if this gets expansed, like in, at the end of yeah. season four or five, I'm going to be Roth.
0: Yeah, no, it suck. Um, I'm, I'm really loving the idea of getting a little bit past our current day. I, I mean, we're going to be, look, we're about to be past our current day in this season right if they land on mars like boots on mars that's past our current day tech so like oh yeah you're in another 40 years you're talking about uh, interstellar stuff pretty much right like well i mean you're definitely at the the they they
1: talk about the moons of jupiter and saturn sure you got so there's that i I imagine there's like a like a there might be a gold rush and asteroid belt that would be kind of interesting like all the yeah, yeah. And, and now and private asteroids. space flight you've got like wildcatters from russia and china and the united states trying out there and like you know uh, may, maybe the there's actual a space force trying to I, who knows how the fuck things could go but that's that's where i'm thinking yeah. like uh, you would have a season with the asteroid belt a season with the moons of jupiter and saturn and then yeah maybe god can you imagine like a 2030s or they were trying to send an interstellar mission that just doesn't
0: it like seems a like a you have to get a lot of sci-fi I mean, yeah but but a generation ship is one of those concepts that's been around in sci-fi long enough that you could see them exploring that right
1: especially at an accelerated rate of development yeah yeah yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see what for all mankind has and, and hopefully they'll get to cha- to, to tell us the the whole story Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt in Sacramento would like us to consider this as his humble application to be the officially unofficial pharmacist for bald Moon. We don't have one of those. No. So we could probably and, use until one. another pharmacist uh, rises to do battle. Then uh, you're it, Matt. During the podcast or the first season, episode three, Aaron speculated Ed has diabetes due to his use of some unknown injectable medication to his buttocks. However, I don't think this is the case. Insulin needs to be injected into the subcutaneous tissue and is usually done in the abdomen or upper arms. Though it can be injected into the buttocks, it's not usually done due to inconvenience. Is it inconvenient to shoot your butt? I guess you have to get your butt out.
0: (laughs) I don't know. For one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like you can just roll up your shit and put it in your belly fat or like pinch your up. I guess. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, we'll we'll accept. We'll accept your professional judgment on that. Although uh, the, the needle that Ed is using in this scene is much larger than an insulin needle. And he was injecting it into his gluteal muscle, which leads me to believe there's more likely to be a testosterone supplement oh, he's using. This makes sense say, if you consider
0: yeah,
1: uh, that he's getting up there in age and maybe in need of extra help to keep up the younger astronauts in the program. I and also think this could jogging,
0: set up- Right. I didn't see anybody else jogging.
1: Uh, I could uh, I also think this could be set up an interesting storyline of this is in fact testosterone that he is using and leads to some emotional instability that could arise during an intense situation say as commander of the mission to Mars. Mm. Oh boy. We already know. We already know that Danny's all yeah. sex nuts. And now now we got Ed pushing T.
0: don't know. I mean, this is an
1: explosive combination.
0: Yeah. You've got Danny who just naturally produces extra levels of testosterone I'm sure And I'm kind of surprised because
1: I think we've seen him inject two butt shots I'm kind of surprised that they haven't specified what the hell it is because the other thing is like uh, no offense to the professional pharmacist out there but like it would be the first time that a show got the wrong length of needle and they were trying to imply one thing and they did the other although I just feel like oh, yeah. there's probably a diabetic on staff somewhere for all mankind so like that's, that's kind of mistake that doesn't happen as often but I don't know. I'm not I'm not opposed to the testosterone theory.
0: My favorite thing on television with needles is when they have the needle that's like three inches long and they're yeah. clearly trying to like draw blood or something, and they just put the fucking thing all the way in their arm. Yeah, right? just to put it to the like, stopper. It's like yeah. through
1: the other side. And it's, it's, it's someone like on Allison Bree and it's like a three inch um, needle and in her arms are an inch and a half in diameter. It's like, Where are you putting right? all this, dude? Yeah. It's yeah. That's pretty crazy. All right, let's move on to other other feedback business. Steve says, I remember reading about this at the time. He linked to me an article about Jonathan Pollard. Uh, looks like an actual, uh, instead of alternative history to me, may be included to show possible consequences of Margo's activities. Let me explain. In the first episode, in that montage, they talked about IESA, Dev IESA's partner. Uh, I, forget if, I, th- I think his name was Jonathan Hilliard who was like his fusion reactor partner and then they also mentioned this guy that got caught up in spying. Apparently I I heard Jonathan Pollard and because I don't have subtitles with the screeners, I heard Hilliard. So there is no relation between the person that Dev develops his fusion technology and the Russian spy. This Jonathan Pollard is a real life person who Sold state secrets to this the nation of Israel, who is uh, an ally of the United States, um, and he got put in prison from 1987 to 2015. Hmm. And I think it's like if uh, there's there's a lot of stuff here because like we don't really guess it is a plea deal and never went to trial. We don't really know the full scope of what he stole and what he gave to to to, um, to, to, the, to the Israelis and what other countries he might have sold it to and something like that. But it just goes to show you that like if you can do this kind of hard time in a federal penitentiary for selling secrets to an ally, what the fuck are you going to get if they find out you've been giving all of our, uh, our national defense space secrets to the Russians? Yeah. It's I, I think he, Steve's got the right of it here. This is just a show for people who maybe live through that era, paying attention uh, that that Margo could be in some real trouble. Uh, sure. So thank you for pointing that out to us, Steve. Sid is next. He says the first question I had was when did Danny or when Danny walked out on the thruster, did he walk on the wrong side of the connecting portion of the ring? It looked like he was walking on the side where he could see the booster from the side, and gravity would only be generated on the side opposite of the burn, right? Um, this took me out of scene because I'm pretty sure he could have been ripped ripped him off, though it could be incorrect. I think if I understand what you're saying, you're saying that the thrust is going this way and that he would feel that the gravity should be coming from the opposite direction of that but any first year physicist can tell you that rotational frames of reference are a fucking bitch you've got pseudo forces real forces and i think you're right that danny would feel a little side slipping because of the acceleration that that the station is but like the predominant force is going to be the one flinging him off yeah. That's going to be because that the other is a slow. I mean, look how long it took that to spin the station from one G up to three. It took, what, 30, 40 minutes. We don't even really know. It could have taken an hour. Mm-hmm. That's going to be so much more subtle than the three G's trying to fling you off of this. this you might be getting a, a 0.01 G of acceleration going in the one direction, but you're feeling those full three G's centripetally or centrifuge centrifugally i'm not sure which is the real force there but I, that's my reading on it what is that
0: yeah no that sounds right to me uh
1: the second question i think you have the right of he says would danny's climb have gotten easier and easier as he climbed higher and higher not sure this would function like a centrifuge but i work at a yes. lab and if you move samples to the center the rotor needs to spin faster to generate the same g-forces no you're mm-hmm. every literally every step of the rung higher would get in a little bit now of course, the station's also accelerating, but I would think he's climbing faster than that. So, like, by the time <laughs> yeah. you're halfway up, you're experiencing probably half the G's, maybe even less. I don't, I'm not sure if there's a square inverse rule or something. Um,
0: yeah, and you eventually get to zero in dead center.
1: Yeah, at the hub, there's, like, no, there's, uh, at the very center of the hub anyway, there's going to be yeah. zero gravity. Uh, Keenan from Dallas Fort
0: Worth that doesn't narrow it down a that's, lot that's half of North America I think I, I want to see the uh, episode where somebody gets stuck at the very dead center of that hub like they accidentally step into the dead center with no momentum I, <laughs> I hear that's, that's a prank and or challenge that they do on the
1: IS the, the International right. Space Station that they put you in like the dead z- zone of one of the larger rooms and then you have to kind of like by swimming and flapping and throw try to get to, <laughs> to where you can free yourself uh-huh. Uh huh. That
0: sounds like fun. It's
1: it's kind of like duct taping someone to a wall. Like uh-huh. you just like a bunch of astronauts bum rush you and take you to the center of a mob, like a hab and be like, all right, have fun getting out. Yeah. Anyway, Keenan from Dallas Fort Worth area says, "Longtime listener, first time feedback given. Love hearing it. Uh, been with you guys since the OG Walking Dead days, and look forward to watching shows like The Expanse just so I can hear your breakdown." Well, thank you very much. Nice. My wife and I were right there with you on waiting for the slow, dirty dance stare right into Karen's eyes from Danny. The guilt she's going to feel after his possible injury and loss of Sam will drive them closer. Gross. Fortunately, we we dodged the the injury. Mm -hmm. Um, Also says the Medusa cables did not bother me too much until you guys pointed it out. Uh, If the lines are pressurized instead of anchors, I could believe a little bit more. But as they stand, you guys seem to be totally right that's an interesting point if these were pressurized like fuel hoses i yeah. would expect a little bit more like swiggle wiggle room like a run runaway, runaway garden mm-hmm. hose you know like a fire hose um they didn't appear to be that way but yeah, um, i think they
0: were just structural support right
1: I think so. it felt to me like these were designed to kind of like as a lightweight way to resist the the, the, the forces the station's gonna feel trying to fling it apart. These yeah. are like you know tension lines to, 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 to relieve that pressure. Um, we did have a couple people that uh, had some problems with our physics take on this. First up is Blake he says one possible explanation for the cable madness that we saw was it wasn't just one cable but a success there was successive different cables snapping and it is chronicling the destruction of each as they disconnected
0: okay it's plausible a range of, of that one side of the station I'm
1: that's the thing like the establishing shot shows how many cables we have to deal with and like there was only the one quad that was really affected yeah if they were breaking over all over the station, then then yeah, and, and each one snaps is doing. But like, I didn't think they were telling the ones that story. On the opposite
0: side of the station, would immediately fling away from you, right? They wouldn't, right? They wouldn't threaten to come your direction. So it'd be like the cable immediately on your side, and then maybe a couple around it. When they yeah. snap, might come swinging at you, but like,
1: and then, and then it would get they, there. There would be some like flat flailing yeah, until it gets equal So Dennis has a um um uh, a different take. So, sorry, guys, but the cable won't swing like you think it will. Not at first. You mentioned the garden hose, but you're swinging the garden hose from a vertex. I'm not sure what that means. The cable's attached to the end of the... Oh, so you're talking about swinging it from the middle. The cable's attached to the end of the ring and will lash about for some time before the rotational forces affect it, since there's no air friction or gravity. Also, unless there's a weight on the end of the cable, it won't point out like the astronaut on the tether. Think of it more as a big ribbon on a flywheel. Is the show completely accurate? Absolutely not, but it's not as wrong as you might think it might be. I um, I'm tempted to do a TikTok of me with like some kind of like thing that I'm spinning with various things at the end of it to see exactly what would happen. Yeah. I still think the amount of flailing that these cables would do on busting would be on the order of seconds and not like over several several minutes like they were, especially when you're talking about getting to 3G. That's a lot of force on those cables. And even if mm-hmm. And I don't know if I buy the ribbon theory because we're talking about pretty thick steel cables, which are not that crazy flexible to begin with.
0: Um, I mean, the thing I don't that sounds know. convincing to me there is the weight distribution. Maybe like it not being distributed all toward the end is going to make a difference. But
1: yeah, I'm and it's accelerating. Sure. So there could be like if the cable's waving in certain ways that it's like getting more energy put into those oscillations um i don't know maybe i i don't know either i don't know i, I that's the thing it's like i the thing is is even I, like even if i did the the, the the thing that really stopped stopped me on going out of my backyard and doing this was like this the, the first objection would be well that's not in a vacuum
0: right right
1: and you're in a you're your already in a gravity is, well yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah it's coming from two different uh yeah vectors it's it's not good so. I
1: need I need Phil Plate from Bad Astronomy, yes, or like maybe Dustin from Smarter Every Day to do to do a big big uh, full scale investigation. MythBusters, we need MythBusters yep. to, we need to come to back and do a for <laughs> yes. and it for all mankind. Yes, right. Yes, spin this fucker. Get this thing spinning. <laughs> spin break the a cable. Yeah, what would you call the ISS spin? The football field? Like that's that's not a thing designed uh, no. to spin at no. all. Anyway, we're, I'm going to put CableGate behind this because the science uh, thus far in a series uh, other than that has been stellar and superb. Um, Marcy says, what led you to believe that Karen and Sam got married? Had they been married, wouldn't they have been sleeping in the same bed in Polaris? The opening scene had Sam calling Karen on the phone as they were both on Polaris. She's not wearing a wedding ring. I think they're just business partners. Oh, okay. Uh, patriarchy? I think might be why. I just was like, well, there's a man and woman together. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, surely they're not business partners. I mean, what does, nice. what, no, I, I think you might've caught me, sl- uh, there. Uh, I, I made an assumption that Karen, uh, you know, one of those uh, prototypical 1950s housewives would just shack up with the guy after she got divorced from her, uh, longstanding, <laughs> but no, I'd Yeah, I think you're right. I went back and there were no wedding rings. Um, yeah, I assumed too much. The reaction, since has not been one that's been mourning a uh, uh, a life partner. It's been someone is mourning a friend and a partner. But I think you guys are right. I don't think the Sam and uh, Karen were ever married. So, so apologies for him. that. Faux Who pa. cares? Crush him! Crush him! <laughs> crush him in that elevator. Uh, Also on the back of Margo's neck, there's a sticky yellow sticky on the door frame that appears to say tagged reminder to fix her jacket. So the tag isn't showing. I think that's what that is. I I talked (laughs) about the patch on the back of her neck might be, I didn't go back to check that uh, to see what it was. But um, the other thing is like, again, uh, we see uh, early copies that sometimes do and sometimes don't mark the, uh, the, the unfinished nature of stuff. So it could have been, a makeup test or something that they need to say. Yeah, I, I don't know, but um, I'm pretty sure they didn't mean to have like some giant. I, at this point, three episodes in, it's not like she's got some kind of cancer treatment or whatever. That was what I was worried about? Like she's there's something wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Nah. Um, Mr. Josh from Dayton said, "Did anyone catch a glimpse of Margot's slim fast can top? They are the old peel style and not the conventional pop top style." Maybe it means nothing, but it's clearly a deliberate choice. Any thoughts on why? My two cents is the pop-top style was invented in Dayton, Ohio, by local inventor Ermel Frays in the early 60s. His machine shop's customers included lots of aerospace clients, including NASA's most, uh, like, or like most machine shops. Uh, our Air Force base is a big-time feeder into the local economy. I, my guess is that it's a sly nod to the nation's focus being on the space race, and from that, other breakthroughs took a back seat huh the nation's preoccupation of space uh delays the release of the pop top is it's it not all positive i i tried to find out if i could see if slim Fast was a holdout um in the the pop top thing or like i don't even know what the fuck they use now SlimFast, slim Fast, i think are just like those those weird plastic paper cartons with a screw off top now yeah everybody's but, going um, to plastic but you know like that's the thing is like if you see like old beer cans and stuff they don't look like the ones we had today they're much more cylindrical right. and they have these like peel open things rather than the thing mm-hmm. um, but I don't know when SlimFast so it's, it could be that they're just being period accurate because that's what they looked like in 92 uh, or it could be that they are implying something subtle about the some of the nuts and bolts technology staying the same in favor of like advancement of other things I don't
0: know I think Yoko Ono killed the inventor of the pop top in lieu of, of (laughs) driving a wedge between the Beatles and John Lennon and that whole assassination. She couldn't
1: prevent the Beatles reunion in the, in the nineties. So she took to thwarting minor inventors of (laughs) aluminum can technology. (laughs) Okay. Moving on to Tommy O was the purpose of the whole Karen and Danny relationship to set up some scenario where Danny has to decide whether or not to let Ed die on Mars. If so, I'll retroactively hate that plot between Karen and Danny. Are you are you not caught up with us? You, you're retroactively hate. Are you are you a Karen Danny Stan? Are, Darren, Canny? I No, I don't like You need to get you need to get active. You need to stop this retroactive and get active on the hate. Uh, I mean, I as far as I know, she's mm. there hasn't been a smoking crater with Ed's name on it yet. But but yeah, go ahead and uh, I encourage you to fire those retro boosters and catch up the rest of us. Um, I don't know. Like, th- that's the thing. It's like there's no way for Danny to redeem himself or Karen for that matter. This is just bad. They doubled down on it. Anything that happens as a result of it, I'm going to probably have, find distasteful. Um, My boy, my uh, my boy Ed's his favorite character and he loathes his Danny Karen shit. I don't even know what he would do if if Danny uh winds up getting Ed <laughs> Let killed. Ed
0: die. Yeah. I mean it's clearly there to create drama between the three yeah. of them, right? Um and I think that's gonna work out pretty well. But as far as letting Ed die, that seems a bridge too far. They could flirt <sighs> with that idea. But then ultimately, flirt like, with that idea. Yeah, Karen Dan, could flirt Danny's with third
1: with an underage <laughs> with kid, fourteen-year-old. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But you shouldn't. Uh, no, I don't want it because I, I know Danny was an adult, and that makes it right, right. Slightly less, uh, less icky, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, but then again, it's like I do picking up some rando horny 20 year old, uh, you know, guy in Annapolis is one thing. But it's the it's the history. It's the history yeah. there. That's yikes. Little yikesy. Uh, Tommy said, you guys were also wondering what the purpose of Danny's brother Jimmy will be. Since we know the Russians are trying to gain assets within Jim- NASA, could Jimmy be a way for them to exploit Danny after it's announced that Danny will be on the mission? Hmm. Interesting. We already have, of course, the big brouhaha with Margot, but maybe that's the sideshow to take us off the, uh, our eye off the Jimmy
0: Ball. Yeah. I feel like uh, the Russians aren't going to put all their eggs into one Margot shaped basket, right? it would be fools, fools for them to do so. Yeah. Especially when it takes seven years for her to hold the hand of the guy she's supposed to be sleeping <laughs> with to, to make her into a sleeper agent. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I think they would be, they would do well to create new avenues uh, into NASA. Yeah, or they could do something where,
1: like, maybe their access to uh, Margo gets cut off for some reason. She's able to extricate from herself, and now they're looking for some other in. But the other thing is, like, I don't turn even if you flip Danny, like, flipping an astronaut is a lot less. I mean, God, getting Margo, the director of NASA, right? What a fucking intelligence coup! Yeah, like all the Dannys and 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 Jimmys in the world won't add back up to that. But uh, yeah. Damn it, Margot! You should have. You should have. You should have let
0: Sergey die. He's
1: dead anyway. You think they're gonna? Yeah, uh,
0: we'll, it's, it's we'll, such we'll, we'll see like what an happens. intelligence coup that I could see that being unbelievable unless they do it just right. And I feel like they did do it just right. They I did do like it just having right. Having her be who she is and this like yes. seven year buildup. If they had flipped her in a week, I would have been like, bullshit! What are you doing? Right, right. But they and that played seems- it. Yeah, it seems
1: like uh, that's how those intelligence coups go, that, that you, yeah. you carefully construct a, situ- a, a snare, a trap for these people. And then, you know, when they're already through three feet over the line where they could turn back and get it, Yes, you, you spring it on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes time, obviously, to do that. Uh, Jesse says, to your point about the government adding a lot of red tape to Helios, this is some speculation I thought about, like, what they do, some dirty tricks they could play. Um, I bet Ellen is going to be elected president. Because she's Republican and therefore anti-regulation, which I think was mentioned in her interview with Bragg, she's going to implement policies that would directly benefit Helios, easily helping them to overcome NASA and the race to Mars. Hmm. Or am I forgetting about her being close to Margo? I also don't remember if Ed or Molly knew about Margot's secret phone calls from to Sergey. Uh, I could see them or someone else with that knowledge leaking that info and really messing up Margo's vision for NASA and hamstring their attempt to thwart Helios. After episode two, I really hope Margo gets her comeuppance. Any thoughts on this? Well, we know at the end of season three, we find out that Ellen is the president, um, I mean, that Helios is on the.
0: A little bit of a contentious relationship between Margo and Ellen when they were both at NASA, right? Or when she was working with the, the DOD or whoever it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, she had a
1: little bit more pull, a little more suck in that that arena. Yeah.
0: So there was a little tension there. Um, I think the
1: thing about, like, I don't think these are secret phone calls of Sergey what they're doing with like the passing the information through uh, presumably this record deal. I don't know if we'll get more information about that is the problematic. Cause like they're both the heads of their respective uh, space department. There's several joint missions they are sharing the, it being entirely natural and appropriate for them to have regular co- uh, contact and communication. So some I don't think it's secret. I mean, some of them are happening from payphones. Well, that's uh, the, that's you know, the, the, that's the, like the, that. the record. Swapping aspect of it that that yeah. might be, and but the, there again, like you know, I, I would feel like Margot would have to be a person of interest for that to blow up in her face. Because mm-hmm. if I've learned anything from watching The Wire, it's like until they get you on that wire, like you know, and I think that like the show would surely have told shown like a, 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 a government issued face man tailing her, yeah, and taking you know, like you, you'd have seen evidence that the Russians know about it, of course, and they've got the compromise ready to go, but. I don't think the FBI does. So, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, um, what do you think about this red tape? I, cause I, I thought that was a cool idea that it doesn't look like it's done anything to keep Helios from going to space this time, but I wonder if it's going to be something in later episodes this season or future seasons where, you know, NASA and the federal government with the regulatory capacity, hmm. uh, tries to use that to rein in the civilian the civilian space force
0: uh it's possible I, I didn't think of it from the opposite perspective where like you might have some contentious relationships between the president and the head of nasa and maybe that that goes wrong Get into pissing matches yeah and they use it to like tear nasa down and support the private space travel but i could see it going either way yeah
1: uh is up and says, I just listened to the first episode of Hi, Bob. So I apologize if someone else has already sent you feedback on this. But in case no one did, I have to give you this piece of trivia from watching the 1983 movie, The Right Stuff, last weekend, which is that Dennis Quaid plays Gordo Cooper in the movie, the astronaut mm-hmm. who Gordo Stevens is based on. So in a sense, Dennis Quaid has already played Gordo. Incidentally, in the 1983 movie, Gordo's wife, Trudy, is played by the actress who went on to play Leslie Nope's mom in Parks and Rec. I did not know that. And of course, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan were real life married during the 90s. Um, that's interesting. That's pretty. I, I wonder if the right stuff existed in this world. Because like the history of space travel completely changed from between when tom wolf wrote that book and the the, movie is based on and and this was like yeah
0: and didn't meg ryan play tracy in the movie love in the sky yeah that's what that's what that's what she's pointing out the
1: irony that like dennis quaid in our universe already played the guy who gordo is based on so yeah and tracy was played by meg ryan in the show and yeah I think that's some funny gags there in that interview that we mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, the one that was on uh, inverse uh, there's a whole bunch of things where like Ron Moore is kind of realizing, like the, the guy asked him, like, are you Ron Moore in this alternate universe? Are you beginning to write TNG and this era? And like Ron Moore's <laughs> like, that's actually kind of fun. I haven't thought about myself in this world, but like, clearly they're having they, they talk about a lot about them having fun with ideas of like well, how the subtle pop like it's not just all the big nation state stuff it's like mm-hmm. the beatles getting back together and you know the fads and the fashions and what's delayed like he pointed out that in his mind that um star trek didn't get canceled because in people's interest in uh, space only increased um, Paramount went on with their phase two next generation project in the late seventies. The motion picture never got made. And after the run of phase two, the next generation, they just started on wrath of Khan. Oh and it came God. out a year later. Is he which I guess Voyager? is all, is that what you're trying to tell me? Oh, <laughs> and I guess it's, it's, all supported in the text. Like there's like references to like huh. the, the, the people make reference to wrath of Khan, but it came out the wrong year. So he's got this like, at least on a Star Trek side, it feels like he's, he's mapped out culturally where that is. Cause he's got a personal interest in it. So I thought that nice. was kind of cute in that interview. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for pointing that out, uh, Angrid, and we're going to move on to Evan longtime listener, billion time writer, love Bald this Bald Moon podcast, like all the rest. Well, thank you, Evan. Appreciate that. I had some thoughts on the North Korean missile activity in episode one of the season. I was active duty in the air force for eight years. And while not an expert, I know a thing or two about ICBMs and space launch vehicles. Uh, I thought it was really odd that the show simply states, well, North Korea is no longer focusing on threatening the rest of the world. They're just all about space now. This struck me because the majority of technology and equipment and material that can support space launches can also support ballistic missiles. A co-worker once told me the only difference between ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles and space launch vehicles is their trajectory and the letters in their acronym. I mean, that's that was what the space race was all about initially was about the United States and Soviets being like, we can lob a nuke at you and there's nothing you can do to stop us. And every step in the I think, was it the uh, is Gemini? No, Gemini. It was Apollo. No, Apollo. What was the fucking first mission? It wasn't Gemini. Which? When we've played, God damn it. We we tried to recreate this in uh, the Uh, the first time we played. Yeah,
0: we were trying to attack Perth, right? Um, Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Shit, I can't remember the name of it.
1: I cannot believe I can't remember the Greek god reference to uh, whatever the first uh, uh, Capricorn. I don't know. Fuck it. Whatever. That one. Um, That was just the, yeah, essentially um, proving the concept of uh, nuking each other, but with a peaceful kind of veneer on it and not uh mercury is the mercury program mercury, okay yeah thank god um anyway uh they continue in fact north korea previously has stated that their space launches for people purposes peaceful purposes rather But south korea accused them of testing icbms part of me thinks the writers just wants a country that would be believably irresponsible with the space activities and i think north korea fits that bill but another odd thing is both russia and china have tested anti-satellite mission missiles that have caused huge international uproar at the time over the space debris that these tests created. I have heard that. That every time someone tests these satellite destruction uh, abilities, it creates like 10,000 high-speed shrapnel that NASA and everybody's got to track to keep it from blowing their shit up. Uh, Why not use either Russia or China since they've both done this purposefully instead of North Korean accident? Could North Korea cause further headaches for the countries on the moon currently? It seems to be that they are continuing to mention North Korea and these news snippets that are in the background. And I have no idea why, but I have uh, a feeling that they're setting them up to be some kind of rogue state that the main players have to contend with in
0: maybe not this season, but next season and the seasons to come. Yeah. I do wonder, are they like saving China for something else? You know? Cause like, that would be a natural one to add. It in could there. also
1: be that the Ron Moore doesn't want to ne- necessarily piss off Russians and Chinese that might be interested in watching the show. So North Korea does not watch. I, I can't imagine they let <laughs> any American television in North Korea. So right. it could be just as, as something like that, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. They, they. I feel like they got plans for North Korea. I'm not sure what, And I'm not sure why. Uh, Corey says, hey guys, first off, I have to say 100% agree with Aaron regarding the Karen Danny storylines and both of you regarding the way Margo handled the Ed situation and Ed handling his disappointment towards Danielle. Let's push all of our internet points in the center of the table. Despite this being a milk run to Mars for Ed and Helios, I bet Ed's leadership is going to overcome a problem and more importantly, I think he's gonna die, probably being the first person to die on Mars secondly i don't think danny will be going to mars but instead we'll have a drunken rampage we'll end up having dire consequences possibly a death for himself and or karen um we know that danny's going to mars as of Mm -hmm. the end of episode three we're not sure if he's going to get there um what do you think there's there's been a fixation of ed
0: dying yeah do you think ed dies this season uh i don't i don't want to see it but he does a very dangerous job (laughs) you know I feel like yeah. it's getting less dangerous every time though like a mission to Mars is really no different than landing on the moon Uh it's just farther away right so like <laughs> yeah okay yeah. It, sure. I mean it's really like the concepts have been hammered out the, sh- the spacecraft has been tested it's just sure. a matter of getting there and landing Uh so I feel like Ed's, Ed's all right Ed's gonna make it but it, I I don't know we'll have to see how it plays out anything could happen
1: I've often wondered, like, what they would do with like in this era of spaceflight, with like a coronal mass ejection. Hmm. Like, if that thing happened, because uh, I I remember that was something that like uh, was in uh, Robert uh, Zubrin's book, and he's like, well, you could build like there could be a the, the cruise water tank at the center, and you could make a hollow so like all six crewmen could get into that ball and like hide behind a meter or two of water. And it was still kind of like sketchy whether they'd survive. It's kind of like you're just like, well, it's kind of like uh, building a building in California. Like, it, you mm-hmm. know, Yellowstone could go up and knock everything down on the West Coast. Or, or, but are you going to stop building because of that? It's like there's a right. one in a thousand chance that all the astronauts would get their shit fried because the sun has a hissy fit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We got you for all the Internet points on Ed's death.
0: I wonder Daniel. If they'll do anything like that because they've already kind of done stuff like that, right? With the solar flare. That, on the moon. That yeah. Got, uh, what's her name? Molly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cataractor. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that Dutch guy that was out on the, was exposed on the moon for even longer than oh, her. Oh, the guy she saved? Yeah, he's because he was dead. kind of more like, yeah, it might be <laughs> He was be. exposed
0: for a while. Yeah,
1: he was. And Molly's too mean to die. Uh, Danielle says, I just want to do a quick write in regarding what happened on season three, of episode two for all mankind. When Margo overturned Molly's decision of choosing Ed as the mission commander over Danielle, as well as creating a committee that would choose the astronauts for future missions. Got a couple pushbacks on this. This was uh, hmm. the, the one that was like the most detailed and representative. I totally get where you're coming from in thinking that Ed was mistreated and that Margo undermined the agency and her position with her decision. It's definitely not a situation that was handled well. However, I do think something like the committee is the first way to increase diversity of underrepresented people in the workplace. When hiring or in Molly's case, choosing astronauts for missions is left to a single person, you're automatically at the whims of that person's biases. Furthermore, it seemed like Molly was choosing Ed based on her experience and what she thought a mission commander should be, and was also falling victim to affinity bias where she's choosing a person most like herself. Not to mention the unconscious bias that Molly might also hold against Danielle regarding her race and gender. While having decisions made by a committee doesn't completely remove bias and discrimination from the picture, it all allows a candidate to be evaluated by multiple people, which can lead to a more objective rating. Having a standardized rubric to evaluate candidates and then compare them against each other is one way to improve this further. At my current company, all hiring is done through two panel interviews with a rubric score. Candidates can have large discrepancies between the two scores from each interview uh, and are given another look and potentially even a third interview. That's saying it's a perfect system and it does seem a lot more fair than a single person making all those decisions. Again, while I agree that Margo handled the situation poorly, I do wonder if Danielle would have come out on top at a selection committee, been in charge of choosing the mission commander in the first place. And that decision wouldn't have been a bad thing. One thing I tried to make clear on the podcast is like, I thought the decision was extremely debatable. I didn't think that there was a like. Objectively correct choice. Do you go with someone who's more of a risk taker and someone who can think uh, more on their feet? Do you go with someone who's more by the book and cautious, um, which of the uh, but, but also has more like uh, post settler skills um, or do you go with a guy that maybe gets you there on the planet and can't grow potatoes? I, I don't know. Like it's 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 a it's a judgment call, right? And I I think you're right. Like everything you say is right about the, you know, uh, the biases and how it's unfair to minorities and all that kind of thing. Um, But I I think in this case, we're talking about selecting people who are going on very dangerous missions and have to bear the risks disproportionately in a very small group of people. Like how many astronauts does NASA have in this time era? A few hundred at most. Um, If you have a committee, I think the majority of those committee have to be astronauts, Because, like the whole, the the, the, this goes back to when the white coat lab coat dudes burnt like fricasseed uh, three uh, astronauts on a launch pad because of just getting obsessively wonked about. You know, oh, we, if we put pure oxygen in, in the, uh, uh, the, the the cabins, we don't have to pressurize it, but like uh, one or two bars instead of 15. And oh, if we strip all the insulation off the wires, we can save this much weight. And they, they, they made an astronaut barbecue because they got lost in their parameters, of their mission and, and lost sight of the men in and, and this era. Women, uh, they're going into space and bearing all these risks. So it'd, it'd be like um, if you to make it like as I like imagine if all the astronauts were black and the committee was just nothing but white folk. OK, um, there, there's a problem there. There's a problem between the the, the experiences and the burdens and everything. And so like, I think that if Margo felt really strong about this committee and they wanted a clear path through through the astronauts, she should have taken that stuff into consideration. Like a, a preponderance of them should have been astronauts. Mm-hmm. And if she felt this strong about the decision, she shattered this in place before this mission. That that Molly, by the power vested into, had the the sole discretion on making a mission commander. Like I I I see everything that people are saying about like there's two sides to it because there is. Like I think Danielle would have been a fantastic mission commander, probably better than Ed, especially with Ed and his head up his ass attitude towards Danny.
0: But that doesn't make what Margot did right. No. No, it's, it's not necessarily about the approach itself. It's about the the way it was forced upon Molly uh, that was the offensive part of it. Yeah, and
1: it's like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, um, I start caring a lot more about representation and, and, and diversity and that kind of stuff when things become bigger and more mature. And I think that in, you know, something like a space age where you got a very small number of group um and they have to have complete trust with each other's lives like their opinions should matter a hell of a lot more than the administrators um but yeah as like you know when and as this matures and you get like i, I think this that's the thing and I, I if we didn't say it on the podcast i apologize I, I think that this kind of move is inevitable one as this matures from wildcatting pioneering frontier busting type mm-hmm. of stuff to making it commercialized and safe and repeatable like that 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 is a move that we'll have to make it's just why did it have to happen now and if it did why did you allow yourself to get politically outmaneuvered by fucking molly sure you know so that's that's my that's my opinion um Caitlin says, hey guys, I'm on the road for work about half the year and this one tip that definitely helped me was if you're going to be in a motel for more than one night, unpack everything. Living out of suitcases is harder on you than you think. So if I were there for a weekend event, I'd do the same thing. Another pro unpacker. That's crazy, that's crazy i agree if i'm if if it's an overnight because i did i did an overnight stay up on the north shores of uh, lake erie this last weekend did not unpack my suitcase just lived out of it Mm -hmm. but if i'm going to be there for more than one night yeah i'm putting that shit in the drawers
0: more than one night wow no weekend trips don't get unpacked weekend Hmm. trips everything stays in the suitcase as much as possible (laughs) uh week-long trips now you're talking
1: well, I'm lucky that the luggage selection committee is headed by Caitlin, an experienced person who's on the road for half a year and not some Jim Jones hasn't left his house in three years, kinda of dandy. Maverick.
0: Doesn't a doesn't maverick. know anything about I'm unpacking a luggage a maverick. I can live out of a suitcase <laughs> for decades at a time. <laughs> you probably could. Probably
1: could, yeah. Uh out of state boogers. Hi Bob. Hi Bob, out of state boogers. Uh, or hi boog uh slingshot maneuvers is to space exploration movies as a timely gear shift up and down is to racing movies (laughs) Change by view i won't because it's correct i mean you're not wrong they're dramatic (laughs) they make you go vroom Mm -hmm. uh they they are cinematic as hell yeah no I, i don't think there's anything wrong with that no um, it's, I, although I will say it's a lot harder to do just a purely cinematic like gear shift in space. Like, uh, you know, the operation, the, the options for slingshots are not, it's, it's not as common as just, you know, uh, work, in, work in a gear box. But uh, you're, you're right on. You're right on. Rob, maybe it's the result of watching and reading too much of The Expanse. But whenever I see they showed people on the Polaris and they were in civilian clothes with civilian accessories, I found this impractical. That they figure out a new way to launch people into space that didn't include massive G's, because otherwise it strikes me that everyone's dangly earrings would have been clipped, ripped clean out of their ear holes. Uh, also, Ed's chair is just a chair with a five-point harness on the Phoenix. It looks like a projectile waiting to happen if they need to initiate a burn. Did you notice this, or am I quibbling a bit too much?
0: I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't wear my seatbelt when I'm just sitting in my car in park waiting yeah. for somebody to like come out of a store or something i presume they wouldn't wear their earrings during launch yeah i did not
1: assume ed's yeah that's why i feel like that there was probably like hey put all loose like like going on a roller coaster jesus christ i went right. on fucking steel vengeance at cedar point you had to take your eyeglasses off unless you had a strap on like mm-hmm. they didn't give a shit hearing aids i saw people getting the main they're, they're, they're making them take their hearing aids off uh like if it was not secured to your body with a goddamn strap pockets cargo zip pockets they don't give a shit put it all in the locker um Mm -hmm. i feel like it'd be something like that it's like they get you all because they 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 had to wear a spacesuit too right oh yeah yeah at some point point you'd have to wear a spacesuit. i feel Mm -hmm. like that they're yeah that they they probably have like a little baggy that they and you put all your like heavy earrings and all that kind of stuff and then it's given to you at the but like you you just don't see that stuff um Now, Ed's chair, like, I don't see any problem with that. Like, if it's bolted down. What's the complaint about Ed's chair? Ed's chair that it's like it could be a projectile if they needed to initiate a burn. Like, I don't think Ed's chair is literally unsecured. It's not like got right rollers, like an office chair. I think it's bolted to the ground.
0: uh, So I don't see any problem with that. I mean, there's also the idea that, like, in space flight, you don't really do a lot of unexpected maneuvers. There's nothing out there, man. Like, once you get out of orbit, there's literally nothing out there. There's no reason to ever do a burn that isn't scheduled years in advance, right? So, like, you're not having to dodge shit that's coming at you, right? uh, At a you know twenty six thousand miles an hour or something. It's not like a
1: Belter Raider is going to come out with their mass drivers blaring, and you're going to have to take (laughs) evasive maneuvers and all that kind of stuff. And also, like, like
0: having chairs that aren't bolted down is not even a problem if you can store them for a scheduled burn, right? Yeah, um, and the Phoenix also
1: is not intended to lift off from a body. It's going to stay in low Earth or Mars right. orbit and in deep space, so, like, it's not like it's going to have massive Gs when it's taking off. I imagine it's much less than a G of thrust that they're going, that, 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 that they took off under. I imagine. But, um, yeah. because it's like, you know, a long-term trip, I think it'd be a slow and steady push, um, but then again, at some point they turn their engines off, no matter what. I don't know. Let me ask you this:
0: up on uh, the the hotel Polaris, yeah. were they? Did they have like a, a hotel happy hour or something where they'd stop the spin and just let everybody float in zero g? Because if not, what the oh.
1: fuck are they doing? Yeah, that would be or they need to have like expanded rooms at the hub so people can experience zero G or Zero G Suite. A
0: zero G suite. Because you know people gonna want a Zero G five. Four times the price. Of course. That's the number one reason to go to space. Yeah. (laughs) I'd
1: honestly say in the top three. For sure. For sure. Uh so yeah, I I, uh that that's a big big missed
0: There's domination of a new frontier. And there's SpaceX. Mm-hmm. Those are the three reasons. There
1: you go. There you go. Massive platinum asteroids. Uh huh. <laughs> Helium three. Fucking in space. <laughs> uh, I think we're ready to move on to Craig T for the finale. It says I love the show and the season so far. But one thing that keeps taking me out of the moment is the amount of green screen scenes, especially when our core cast are in populated areas. I know it's COVID related, um. and it's a very clever way to combat this. And for the most part, it works but what lets it down is the lighting on the foreground compared to the green screen background. Surely there must be some software to color match these scenes to match and make it that much more real. I've noticed this in so many shows and movies now, especially the MCU. Am I missing something? Because it seems like an easy fix to me. Uh, What you're missing is like the budget and where it goes. Like it's not super hard, but color correcting everything and matching it. I think a lot of times it gets to good enough. And like, we're going to have a very complicated zero G shot this year and we need to save the budget for that. Um, I will say this. I have noticed that cheapness in some of the D- Disney plus crap. Um, yeah. I haven't noticed it so much this show. Like I know so when things are composited, like when they're doing the historical footage and all that kind of things. And mm-hmm. um, but I, I haven't noticed a lot of the green screen COVID stuff. Um, I, I know it's either. there but it hasn't jumped out to me. Maybe it's because I like, I, I, this is one of my favorite shows and my barrier for suspension, of disbelief being broken. is pretty high, mm-hmm. but I haven't noticed it. If it's bothering you, I feel, I, I feel bad. Need to more color correction. Apparently um, that's going to be it for our feedback for all mankind. We'll try to get back a little bit quicker on the next one. We we'll, won't leave you hanging for three episodes, but it's uh, largely up to y'all. Uh, F-A-M at baldmove.com If we get a smattering feedback, we'll probably start appending them to the end of the episodes, but we've like I said, had a whole hour of feedback for the first three episodes, it's a lot F-A-M at baldmove.com, if you want to uh, stuff our D-ma- D-bag D-bags, or D-mail bags mm. or D- D-mail dirty. servers I don't like to it. capacity uh, I'm going to move on to F-mail, just to be safe F-A-M That'll at- help at baldmove.com stuff our bags full (laughs) we will see you (laughs) tomorrow probably because uh, Apple's been releasing these things early we're going to talk we're going to see about releasing or advancing our release schedule um, to keep up with them but uh, we will have a fresh new episode for you and a fresh new podcast episode for you to cover or for, for you to enjoy and within the next 24 hours thank you for
0: writing in thank you for listening we'll see you on the next one until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim Later.